I'm Cass. And I'm Kat. And I'm PC Cast. And I'm Kristen Cast. And you're listening, and you're listening to, to two bookers. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> To our listeners, hello for tuning in again. Thank you so much. We are here, as you guys know, with PC and Kristen Cass, which is so amazing. The authors of the new book that we are reading, which is Spell Trouble, the Sisters of Salem um, series, which we're super excited about. And this book is already out, yes, for purchase, correct? Okay. So we will have all the links down in our description for you guys to check out. Um, But otherwise, we're super excited and I was talking to everyone like before we started recording and I just want to say that again that I'm like so excited because I'm a huge, huge fan of you guys because I read like the whole House of Night series in high school. So this is is a little geek out moment for me. Like when we got the email, I was like, Kat, I read all these books. I'm so excited. So this is super, super fun. Um, All right. Should we go ahead with the questions? Yes. So our first question is from us, not from our listeners. Yes. can you tell our listeners a bit about yourselves and your new novel, uh, Spells Trouble? Well, um, Kristen, did you have a copy of that book? We, I, we have started reading the back of it because this is the thing that we are like the absolute worst at. <laughs> people are like, what is the book about? We're like, some people are doing things. Yeah, it's a book yes. and things happen and uh, you can write a hundred thousand words, but trying to condense it into a paragraph, we're like babbling um non non thinking people. It's like an yeah. elevator <laughs> pitch. They're so hard, like a little They're elevator so pitch. Mm-hmm. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. So yeah. I will tell you what the book is about. AKA, I will read the cover copy. Absolutely. (laughs) Go for it. Here we go. Uh, Hunter and Mercy Goody are twin witches, direct descendants of the founder of their town of Goodyville. As their ancestors have done before them, it is now time for the twins to learn what it means to be gatekeepers, the protectors of the gates to different underworlds, ancient portals between their world and the realms where mythology rules and nightmares come to life. When their mother becomes the first victim in a string of murders, the devastated sisters vow to avenge her death. But it will take more than magic to rein in the ancient mythological monsters who have infected their peaceful town. Now Hunter and Mercy must come together and accept their destiny or risk being separated for good. That is what the book is about. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing, amazing. Thank you for reading that. Super exciting. Tell us about yourself, Phyllis. Yes. Wait, I have to do that? <laughs> yeah, of course. That was just the book. Now we need to know about you. <laughs> well, I am PC Cast and I'm the mom. And um, I have a lot of books in print. Um, even besides The House of Night, I have a lot of books in print, which you can see if you go to um, PCCastAuthor.com. Mm-hmm. And um, I have been published since what, 2000, I think, 99, 2000, around there somewhere. Wow. Um, I taught for 15 years, taught high school for 15 years and was in the Air Force before then. Oh my gosh, wow. That's You've done of- a whole bunch. Yeah. She's very old. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> you both look great. <laughs> I am Kristen Cast, the daughter. I, my favorite color is blue. <laughs> I really like um, pasta. 
I do not like touching people. Mm-hmm. So um, please don't touch me. <laughs> I'm no. a Scorpio. Okay. Yes. We love and, the astrology. Yes. And I have two dogs and a child. Amazing. Thank you. Amazing. That is all. I love it. You hit all the important points yeah, of what thanks. needed to be hit. What would I say in my dating profile? Here you go. I like long walks on the beach and margaritas on the pet. Yeah. Um, so for this, your new kind of series that's kind of evolving right now, where did you guys get the inspiration for the story, the characters? How did this kind of come about? Phil's actually had um, – the inspiration and knew the story. We went to, in 2019, we went to the Oregon Zoo to like brainstorm. Mm -hmm. And I am the note taker of the pair. And I was taking notes. Excellent note taker. Excellent note taker. (laughs) And I was taking taking notes about all of these ideas. And um, Phyllis had this, the idea for Sisters of Salem. I literally don't even remember it happening. Apparently, though, I took really good notes. I mean, I wrote it down, but I don't, <laughs> for the life of me, remember her saying anything about it. So I'll have to let her tell you what she said, because I don't know. What we tend to do with Macmillan is that um, when when we're ready for to do a new contract, um, mm-hmm. we like to come up with multiple proposals, multiple series ideas, so that then the team at Macmillan, who you know we know really well by now, and who know us really well by now, um, they all vote on the proposals and they decide which one they like best. So we have to, and, and Chris and I really enjoy this. We're good at brainstorming together. We like to come up with new ideas. You don't have to write the book then. Okay. No. So we were, it's really fun to come up with, Ooh, wouldn't this series be cool? Mm-hmm. And then we brainstorm about that series, but we're not actually doing the work. Okay. okay, not okay. <laughs> but so we were out of the zoo and because Kristen said she wanted to go out to the zoo and brainstorm and I'm like they have they have drinks out there I'm fine so <laughs> we went out to the zoo and I remember where we were sitting Kristen I remember and- that too I remember things that happened with my eyeballs but not anything else <laughs> and I had proposed to I think it was Berkeley many years ago um when I was writing the God of Summoning series for them I was proposing, uh, had a new contract coming up and I gave them a a few choices of what I could write. Um, And one of the choices was some kind of obscure, I can't remember all the details, but I had figured out a way for this this family of women to um, the the mothers and grandmothers and daughters, they pass it down genetically. They Mm -hmm. had the ability to see doors that open to different um, like realms. Mm And I, and then of course my women go into the realms and have adventures and it was paranormal romance. So they also had a lot of sex. So I liked the idea. It's not the idea that the publisher chose though. So idea has been percolating around in my head for a long time. And so I mentioned that to Kristen. I said, could we do something? Could we use part of this where there's for some, for some reason, our heroines can access other realms. Mm -hmm. And can we, can we work with something like that? And then we just started talking about it and believe it or not, Kristen and I together, even though she does not remember it, came <laughs> up with the foundation of this idea that she wrote down. Yeah, I remember that. 
with yeah. her own little But because marker. I wrote it down, I didn't have to remember it. I think exactly. It's on paper. That's it. Yeah. And then McMillan unanimously voted on it. So Amazing. The inspiration for it. So it's, it's been bouncing around for a while, but it's finally down, published, ready yes. to read. Well, we love the final copies. We just love anything about witches. Yeah. We like yeah. witches. We like twins. Yes. We wish we were witches, like real life. A hundred percent. That would be like the most amazing thing ever. Yeah. So it's awesome. Um, our next question is um, from actually some of our listeners. A few people asked this um, from Caitlin and underscore Alex O'Neill. Um, they were just wondering what the writing process is like with two people. Um, is it hard to write with another person? Is it more of a joint process? Do you divide chapters or characters? Like what's the process like? Mm-hmm. We um, um, divide characters hmm. that like that's who that's how we figure out who's writing which chapter if, okay um my chapter the or my character that i'm writing is at the forefront of that chapter then that's whose point of view the chapter okay, okay. is from and then i mm-hmm. write that chapter um and we also in order to make it easier we've written a couple other things together in the process it's not that us writing together is terrible, but like the process was not good. We did not have yeah. a structure down and we mm-hmm. were just kind of like writing. We would sort of discuss it just a little bit and then kind of just like write and write whatever we felt like writing. But then that meant that the next person, whatever they idea they had that their character was going to do, because we didn't know what was happening before that, like everything would always change. And it was mm-hmm. just this, like, it was not a good time. Um, but we figured out we have different writing processes. Yeah. Too. We have completely different writing styles independently. And so that was just like another hurdle. And so not having any kind of formula and just trying to just sit down and write these books randomly was just not a thing that worked very well. Mm-hmm. But since we had those practice runs, we discovered that if we do it my way, <laughs> it works so well. fancy that exactly I mean who would have thought that I was just right the whole time (laughs) not me okay for sure (laughs) oh and and we should make it clear that Kristen didn't do any writing in the house tonight yeah no I didn't write she edited those books oh interesting okay yeah Yeah, and she's also done other editing too um, she's right. really good. She's really a good editor. And so we, the, so none of this was, the house of night was not included in any of this. Oh, okay. Right. Interesting. Thank okay. You, yes. Um, so what I do when I write by myself, I do like a general act one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Most of my stories contain between three and five acts, uh, usually three acts. So an act one, two, three, outline like general outline and then each of those acts get broken down into a chapter by chapter outline Mm -hmm. and we discovered that that was actually the best way for us to plan a story together that way we know exactly what's going to happen beginning to end we know what the care what the like I know what she wrote Mercy and I wrote Hunter Mm -hmm. I know what Mercy is going to do she knows what Hunter's going to do we've already figured out figured out how they're going to impact each other and so I also don't write, have to write in chronological order mm, and I, I write agree. a lot slower than she does. And by having all of this already outlined, whenever she has the manuscript, I can go ahead and write ahead and just leave any holes I need to leave if I need information that I have not read yet because it's not in existence. Got you. Okay. So it's very, it's a very structured, very 
like note driven outlining plan that we have. And it works really well when we yeah. write together. It's like Kristen has this Google Doc that is literally broken down chapter by chapter. It has the character's name and then it has one of us. We know who's, you know, it'll be like Mercy and then PC. And then there are bulleted points underneath that chapter uh, heading that I have to hit. I mm -hmm. know this is exactly what has to happen here in my chapter. And then like, like last night, I write at night, Kristen writes during the day. Mm -hmm. And like last night, I got done with my chapter, my latest chapter, and I sent it to Kristen. And you know, she knows that the last line in my chapter is from her character. And so she already knows that she goes back in and she can change that line to make yeah. it reflect what her character would truly say. And we do that all the time. We read, we read each other's um, chapters and we tweak our, our, our character's language and stuff in those chapters. But okay. she knows exactly, like she has one chapter to write and then I have two in a row to write. We do that. You know, usually it's, it's one or two chapters. Mm -hmm. Very frequently is one of us writing three chapters in a row. Got you. But it is a lot easier. I really hate outlining. <laughs> Kristen's really good at it and I am really terrible at it. And I would rather write a 200,000 word book than do a chapter by chapter outline of an wow. word book. I would say that if you're writing a 200,000 word book, you have too many words. <laughs> <laughs> that is too much. Well, the outline seems to be working out. Yeah. It's working. Yeah. Kristen's be like, just give that 200,000 word book to me and let me cut half your words. Okay. <laughs> hey, the process works. And I guess kind of on that note, um, uh, like the two main characters, they're twins, right? So how did you kind of make sure that their different characteristics stood out? And I guess you touched a little bit on it cause you both take a twin, but is there anything else that you do to kind of like really differentiate them um, from each other? Well, our voices are different. Yeah. So there's no way the characters are going to be the same because okay. our voices are, we're, I know most people don't understand this, but we're actually two different people. Shocking. <laughs> no way. Yeah. <laughs> and with this book in particular, um, we said from the very beginning that we were, when we were creating our two twins, that we used huge portions of our teenage selves. Okay. So that made them, and Kristen and I are- And we're not alike. No, we're not, no. We're real close, yeah. and, but we're not, we're, we are not the same people. And we were <laughs> definitely way different. Like I am a massive extrovert. Mm -hmm. Kristen is an introvert, and this mm -hmm. was true in high school too. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of characteristics of Hunter that are very much Kristen in high school. And embarrassingly enough, there are a whole lot of characteristics of Mercy that I just, when I wonder, what, if I have to wonder, what is, how's Mercy going to do this? All I do is just think about what I would have done when I was <laughs> and put a stupid mistake I would have made right there in the text. Okay. Love it. <laughs> I think that that's really helpful to help, um, make the high school characters more relatable and yeah. real. Cause I feel like some people forget what it was like to be in high school. hundred percent. But, I, but it was, no. I could tell these characters were, were in high school, which I really did like. Which is nice. Cause yeah. I think sometimes when reading like, you know, younger adult with high school characters, I'm like, man, I wouldn't have done that. And that's so mature. I would have, yeah. you know, yeah, I would have done something absolutely harebrained in high school. So it's always nice to read like 
high school characters yeah. that are high school age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, people will, especially adults who are reading um, high school characters are, are, are like, they're all, they're like, they sound so high schooly though. Well, they are. that's the point. Okay. okay. That is the point. They're young. Yeah. Point. And like, like, I mean, like I said, I just thought about, well, what kind of screw up would I have done when I was 16 yeah. if I was faced with this? And I'm like, I definitely would have screwed this up big time. 100%. <laughs> I love that. That's great. And, but it's also fun to write mm -hmm. because when you're writing YA, you get to write characters maturing. Right. And yeah, so that's true. the stupid shit Mercy did in book one is not going to be the Mercy you see. We already have book two done and mm -hmm. we're working on book three right now. Oh, Mercy is not the same. Mercy's had to do a lot of growing up and so did Hunter. They both mm -hmm. have. So yeah, that's, and that's also, that's very fun to write as a, as an author. It's fun to start with a character who's screwing up and doing crazy stuff. And you're like, Oh girl, you're messing up so much. And then getting them to the point where they are like, Oh man, I messed that up. And I, I need to be less in Mercy's case. I need to be less selfish. Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. And yeah, it's 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 nice to write that. It's nice to show that maturing. It's like the growing process. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun to read too, mm -hmm. seeing them change. That way. Grow up, become adults. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, did you have any favorite characters to write, or was there one that was more challenging in your novel to write um, for both of you? Well, because I wrote. So I wrote Hunter and I wrote the bad guy. Okay. Uh, there are only a certain number of characters I really know. Mm -hmm. Like Phyllis, since she writes Mercy, she knows Xena a lot better than I do. Because mm -hmm. most of Xena's... My cat. She's actually my, my Yeah, cat. she's based on her real life cat. I love that. Um, but be, Xena often... Uh, appears with mercy and so i don't really know xena very much Xena's not with me very often just like jack's hunter's best friend appears with hunter more often than with mercy so i know jack's better so hunter was my absolute favorite to write um but i just wanted to make sure that people know that like i don't even have all of them to choose from right 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 that no that makes sense yeah mercy's fun for me to write because she does some the stupid shit I would have done. Um, <laughs> but I love writing Xena. Xena is so much fun. Mm -hmm. And I I should I should have my assistant bring her in here so that we can see her. Is she gonna would she no no never mind the dogs will go crazy. Oh sorry no. there are five <laughs> dogs there are five dogs in this room with me. Okay they're that. all they're sound asleep. Most well, of them. nobody else can see them because this is a podcast. Well, well, we'll, we'll see them. You know, we love that. To our listeners, it was wonderful. It was a good experience. <laughs> Scotty dogs. The Scotty dogs are laying, sleeping on the back of uh, of my couch, and my huge German Shepherd is. I don't know. He's he's collapsed somewhere. It's 113 <laughs> degrees here, so um, we're all staying inside and trying to. Yeah, sleep. no kidding. I would also do the same if it was that bad. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, so, I mean, you kind of, you touched on it a little bit. Any information you can give us on some sequels? I, there's a book two that's done, book three that's in the process of being written. Do you know how many books they're going to be in the series? When we're going to see them. Any information. <laughs> it is a trilogy. So, it's a, okay. like a hard trilogy. Like, it will, there will be three books 
There mm-hmm. won't. It's not. We're not saying trilogy and then like, oh my god, there's a fourth book. Like it's a <laughs> surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. And the next book, Omen's Bite, book two, comes out in Ooh. April. April. Yeah. Oh, okay. I have an ex- exact date yet? Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. So it's gonna come know. before we know it. I know. I know. By fast. It's crazy. Yeah. We want to. We're working on Hex U right now. The third book, yes. which will probably be out. It'll come out in 2023, I'm sure. Yeah, early, early 2023, probably. Yeah. That's exciting. We love trilogies. We do. We do. Oh, that's the perfect number. Yeah. Three. We've yeah. talked about this on the podcast. Three, three is a good number for us at this point in time. We love it. <laughs> like a nice hard trilogy. Yeah. Beginning, middle, end. Beautiful. Well, Stunning. <laughs> we're looking forward to uh, reading the next books for sure. Yeah. I still, have to, I still have to finish number one, but I'm excited to get the sequels. Yes. Very, very much seems to, excited to see what happens next with your characters. Um, we do have another question from one of our listeners from lost.girl.lindsay on Instagram. She was wondering if you have a writing playlist that you listen to while writing your novels. Um, I uh, listen to the Dog Sleep Channel <laughs> because I always have five dogs around me. And it's, so I write at night so they get sleepy. Um, but the dog sleep channel, I can't listen to anything with words while I'm writing. Mm -hmm. Um, but this dog sleep channel is just like white noise to me. And then it puts my dogs to sleep. So then all I have to deal with is our dog farts. Amazing. Great. Instead of dog fights. Amazing. (laughs) What a stunning soundtrack. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I listened to the Queen's Gambit soundtrack. <gasps> I haven't watched the Queen's Gambit, so oh, okay. like I can't talk about it. I have no desire to watch it, but my my friend was like, oh my God, this, and she's seen the, ac- the actual show, and she was like, this soundtrack is amazing. It is. It you is. should write, you should write to this. And I was like, oh, well, because people are often giving me soundtrack recommendations, and same as Phyllis, I don't do well. Like, I can't have... I can have people talking around me, but I can't have like word music. Me, me neither. That's what it's called, word music. You know, no, I get it. I can't study to that. I can't do yeah, anything. Exactly. Yeah. Focusing on those words. Yeah, I can't. I, yeah. Exactly. And I can't, there's also like a lot of different classical music like will bother me. Mm-hmm. There are certain sounds in um, lyric, instrumental music. I don't know anything about music clearly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, that I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is, I, all I can hear is like the ding, ding, like these chimes yeah, yeah. in the background. It'll just, I can't. So like fixating. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That one is really good. And it's super awesome whenever you're doing action scenes mm. or anything like intense, because it's a very like, it's actually like a really intense soundtrack. I don't know if the show is intense, but. No, it is. It is. Okay. It is. Well, it that is. makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I know. So it's a good soundtrack to write too. That's Mm -hmm. cool. That's a really cool soundtrack. Um, oh, this is a fun question. It is another one of our listeners on Instagram. Um, I'm gonna absolutely butcher this. Niana, mana, mana. I'm so sorry. You know who you are. It's a lot of syllables. Um, but did writing sex scenes as mother and daughter ever get awkward? Um no, because we don't write them together. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, exactly. we are actually two people and we write them separately. Um, uh, I don't see, I would never be awkward about a sex scene Love because it. I think they're fun to write 
and I've written lots and lots of them. Amazing. And I just, I, I think it's great. I also, um, the, there is a sex scene in, um, in Spells Trouble. Yeah. Well, that's why this person was asking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, uh, I wrote it cause I wrote, I write from Mercy's point of view. Right. Um, before I wrote it though, we had a whole discussion with Kristen and both of our agents. Um, we all talked about it. I feel very strongly that, um, when, a, when it's appropriate in the, in the plot, of course, I don't mean just egregious, just, just gratuitous crap. Just don't put that in there. But I mean, if it's important in the plot, mm-hmm. I really believe that, um, adding sexual moments to YA books. I think that it's a really good idea. It should, what it should do is open up discussion between parents and kids. Hmm. Um, what it, sadly, what happens too often is um, a lot of pearl grasping by parents. <laughs> and oh my God, my child will never know anything about sex unless they read this. So mm-hmm. I'm going to just close this book and make mm-hmm. sure my child doesn't read it, which is we all know what bullshit that is mm-hmm. and um instead let's discuss you yeah. know let's talk about it and there's a you know if you when when you read spells trouble you'll see that there's a definite point mm-hmm. to the scene that happens between mercy and kirk and there are repercussions from it that are mm-hmm. very important especially um my pet peeve is that young men are ex their behavior is excused continually sexually, mm. but if a young woman um, has sex in any manner, especially if she enjoys it, God forbid, um, God, right? <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> especially if she is, if, if she's like been raised to understand herself and her body and not be ashamed of her sexuality. Mm-hmm then, ooh, let's shame her big time mm-hmm. if this comes out publicly, which, you know, we, we play a lot of that out in Spells Trouble. That's but, awesome. no, I don't find it awkward at all. Amazing. Kristen, do you find it awkward? No. Good. I'm fine. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't bother like, me at all. Yeah. <laughs> we're, like, we're a very – like I would say like sex positive, sex open podcast. Yeah. We talk about it all the time. A lot of the books we read have it. We love reading it. Our listeners love reading it. Um, and we complain about the same thing, like the, you know, God forbid a girl were to enjoy it and, you know, enjoy, know her body. So it's really nice to see this kind of like push in a lot of the newer books we're reading about like female characters who like own their sexuality and are like comfortable with it. And it's not this like, you know, you know, blushing like awkward thing to like read about they're very like yes I got this like I can do it so I love it yeah like Mercy's response to um what happens with Kirk um the the sex scene with Kirk it's not intercourse but it's definitely sex and her response is very important because it's not just yes she knows her body Mm -hmm. and she knows her own pleasure Mm -hmm. but she's not having sex with Kirk Mm -hmm. because she wants that pleasure She's mm-hmm. having sex with Kirk as a way to put a Band-Aid on the fact that she is grieving horribly over mm-hmm. what happened with the mother. Mm-hmm. And as soon as the scene is over, she's like, ah, shit, I just do. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she has to deal with the consequences of 
choosing a douchebag to not just date, but also to get intimate with. Yep. And then what happens when that douchebag decides to do his locker room talk and, you know, the repercussions of that. Mm-hmm. Very nice. I love it. Good. I'm glad it wasn't awkward or anything. I love, we love the, we love it. <laughs> um, this is another question that we ask a lot of our authors um, on our podcast, since a lot of our listeners are aspiring authors themselves. Um, if you could give any advice to aspiring writers, what would it be? Um, I always say to like, offer yourself grace. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is like, this is the entertainment industry. And, um, I know people say to work in the entertainment industry, you have to have a thick skin. And I believe that that is just an excuse to like be mean to you and then make it your responsibility mm-hmm. that you have emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, it is okay to be upset over rejections. Mm-hmm. It is okay to be super excited whenever you reach some kind of goal or to know that your writing is good or to question yourself. I mean, all of that is amazing. Let yourself experience all of those emotions. And also, uh, you don't have to write every single day. (laughs) I have a lot of people ask me that question or will say, um, you know, I haven't been writing every single day. I feel like I'm failing Mm -hmm. and that's not, but like, I don't write every single day and I do this for a living. So if you write every single day, it'll lead to, it can lead to burnout. Mm-hmm. So be nice okay. to yourself, do other things that make you a human mm-hmm. besides just writing books. Yeah. And it will expand your, it will expand your book writing too. Yeah. I mean, how, Having real world writing? experiences. Yeah. You need real world experiences and need to get out there to understand people and to also be inspired with plots. I, I have to tell you guys, I love what Kristen says about this so much. I used to say to people quite frequently, you need to have a thick skin to be in publishing. Mm. And then one day Kristen was talking about it and she said, I think that's just an excuse you know, for people to treat you badly. Mm-hmm. And then it's your problem that Mm -hmm. you're responding authentically to bad Mm -hmm. treatment. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important, especially for young authors to, yeah, know that you're going into the entertainment industry and it's difficult, but that doesn't give anyone the right to belittle you and to make you feel feel bad about your words. Um, So I just, I I, I don't think I've even told Kristen that before. No, you haven't. That was so nice. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And I've totally changed the way I answer and think about that question too. Um, you, you're welcome. Mama's <laughs> so good. I love it. No, um, I think that's, yeah, that's a beautiful, that's, that I know that's a really beautiful piece of advice. I think it's applicable to so like, just, yeah, I, to life. I just, I think myself as like a young woman, I feel like I've been told that a lot. And, yeah. and then I always like, I'm like, oh yeah, like I, I should stop like being, you know, I should, I should be a little harder with things, but I'm like, no, like why? Why is that? Why is that? I love that, and I have a whole yeah. whole new perspective now. No, if someone treats you badly, you should be upset. It should it should yeah. make you feel, you know, and and be authentic with that. It's interesting um, because we we just we had an experience. So with um like when your book is traditionally published, and if your publisher sends it to different reviewer like 
uh, trade reviewers like Publishers Weekly and Kirkus and School Library Journal that these reviews that the general public doesn't often read, you don't mm -hmm. need to read them. So you do it if you want to, but it's not mm -hmm. necessary. Um, they, your publisher will send you the reviews, whether they're good or not. Oh. So they will send you reviews where you will have reviewers who are even personally attacking you. Mm -hmm. In in this review, they will tell, they will call uh, one of our friends, her, she got a review from, I think it was Kirkus, that said that it, what the book wasn't worth the trees cut down to make the paper. Like this, this is, is the best selling kind of author too. Yeah. Well, so it was it's like not, yeah, it's not, it's it not doesn't even make it, like, why would you say that? And but it's, it's, it's so unnecessary. Oh right? Your publisher will send these to you in an email and just be like, oh, this isn't great but it will impact your entire day. And I, uh -huh. because someone's like, you're shitty at your job. No one likes <laughs> you, boo, and zero stars. And I was talking to Phyllis. I was like, I don't understand. Why is this necessary? Mm -hmm. Why do you need to send me something that just says how much you don't like me and you don't think I'm talented and you don't think that this is worth anything at all. And you don't think that I am worthy as a creator. Like, why is that allowed? Why is it encouraged? I don't, mm -hmm. if you don't like it, that's fine. You don't have to like it. Why is my publisher sending it to me and expect like, well, you know, we'll get him next time. Like, don't send it to me at all. Mm -hmm. Like, I just don't feel like that's right. And so we, Phyllis and I had a big conversation about that. And that's really where like that whole viewpoint I have came from. Like, you can't, you're being the reviewer, I feel like sometimes they're being mean, even if they're not just, I don't like it. And then to have, send it to me. <laughs> yes, to have all these other people be like, well, here it is. Just deal with the fact that they hate you. Mm -hmm. It's like, why though? Like, mm -hmm. why? Why can't we all just be gracious? Why can't you just not send it to me? Why can't we just skip the whole thing? I don't understand. Yeah. And we even Chris and I have let our publishers know we don't want to see them. We don't want to see those. I mean, you don't, you don't go onto Amazon and read bad reviews. We yeah. don't need, I mean, it affects you over and over again. You can see a hundred really good five-star reviews. People saying that, you know, you're the most spectacular authors in the world. <laughs> and you read a hundred of those and then read one review that's one star and says, Nothing happened in this book. It sucked. I hated it. And they couldn't be teenagers. You know, then what do you think about? Do you think about the hundred good reviews? No, you think about that one terrible yeah. review. Yeah. And so why? And yeah. also, why should we, uh, so, so often, like constantly, publishers take those shit reviews and pull out like part of a sentence, dot, dot, dot. Such a wild ride, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, this book was absolute shit. It was such a wild ride. <laughs> oh my the gosh, those are the dot, dot, dot review. Oh yeah, no. The dot, dot, dot. Yeah, so it's like, this book is so shit. It was a wild, it was such a shit wild ride. And um, the only people who could possibly want to read this are hardcore fans. Yeah. And oh, they just and like, it's like a wild, a wild ride. ride. Dot, dot, dot. dot, dot. <laughs> hardcore fans yeah you know and we've said that just to us that seems to give positive reinforcement to reviewers mm -hmm. who are crappy to you on purpose hmm. and it's interesting because people will say like well if we don't tell you that you are terrible how will you ever get better and we like 
you know, squish faced at me. And it's like, because it doesn't make any sense. Um, but like, I've, you know, I've heard that one on Instagram. I'm like, please don't tag. If you didn't like it, that's totally fine. You don't have to buy anymore, but please don't tag me and tell me how much you hated what I did. Yeah. And they're like, well, if I don't, how are you going to know? I have like, as a published author, we work with so many different people who Mm -hmm. help us become better at what we do. Mm -hmm. Um, and not only that, but like, I take all sorts of classes. Mm -hmm. I read all sorts of books on writing and also just reading because that's another way to get better at writing. Mm -hmm. But I like, Mm -hmm. as you know, from being in school, when you have teachers who just tell you how terrible you are, you don't get better at that subject. You end up not wanting to do it anymore. (laughs) So we, yeah. Yeah, We are are constantly aspiring to be better. Mm -hmm. We work with you know, we work with our agents, we work with our editors, we work with um, sensitivity and authenticity readers. Nice. We, and as Kristen said, separately, we're constantly striving to be better authors, gaining more tools, writing more, reading more, mm-hmm. you know, going back and I am, an, I am an obsessive rewriter. I revise every time I write. I pull up 10 pages before and I start rewriting the entire, the, whatever I've written before, I start mm-hmm. rewriting. That's mm-hmm. how I get back in the flow. And so, no, so, so a mean review is not going to help me write better. Yeah. You've, you've got that taken care of uh, somewhere else. Thank on you so that much. Myself. Yeah. And Sorry, got, I got, was tangenting though, I think. Yeah. No, no, but I think I think it's a good thing to keep in mind because I think that a lot of professions do that, a lot of fields, especially I think anything artistic, you just, you know, you're bred to have a thick skin, which kind of makes no sense. It's like, why are we letting people be mean to us? Yeah. <laughs> it's really nice to hear you talk about that so candidly. So I, we appreciate the tangent. I like it. It was good. I think people need to hear it. <laughs> um, speaking a little bit about publishing, are there any, I, and I know you guys have publishing houses that do these, but is there any pros and cons to self-publishing? You know, after how many, you know, rejection should you look at self-publishing? If you have any insight into that, that was from a listener on Instagram, Jordan. We aren't self-published at all. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know the, I, I can assume some of the cons um, as far as like, bookstore outreach yeah don't have you you need that publisher behind you to contact bookstores both indie and um like traditional bookstores and their sales team has accounts you know the Mm -hmm. bookstores have accounts with the sales team the sales team pitches your book gets Mm -hmm. your like we have a special edition spells trouble has a special edition in walmart has Mm -hmm. a different color cover color oh my gosh has a different cover it is also a different color, but my word, um, and it has an additional scene and like character bios and some illustrations. Yes, you have it. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that can only be done by a publisher. Um, mm-hmm. there are like, wa- like I cannot call Walmart and ask for that kind of stuff. They won't speak to mm-hmm. anyone except for sales teams. So yeah. as far as sales go, uh, you're not going to be able, from what I understand, it is mm-hmm. almost I don't know if it's impossible. So maybe almost impossible to very get hard. <laughs> yes. To traditional brick and mortar stores. Yeah. Um, without that support. And that's really all I, yeah. I yeah. Know that much, yeah. So. Fair enough. Well, and I taught creative writing for many, many years mm. at the high school and the college level. And, um, so when someone says I am not able to get published traditionally, so I'm going to publish myself. Um, that's probably because your writing isn't good enough to get published traditionally. 
or to get published at all. And I mean, that's just, I don't mean to be cruel by saying that, but it's also the truth. Mm -hmm. I mean, I work very hard at my craft and to say that I'm going to ignore multiple rejections on top of rejections. And usually the rejections, well, if you do it long enough, they're going to come with advice too. Hey, you need to work on this. Hey, you need to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, If you are paying an editor, um, that's someone who's working for you and perhaps isn't as authentic with their um, editorial comments. Okay. So I have seen a lot of really, really um, subpar work get published self-published. Okay. And I have a problem with that um, (laughs) because I work so hard at my craft. Yeah. So, and a lot of people who are just browsing on Amazon to buy books don't understand the difference between um, what Kristen and I do Mm -hmm. with multiple editors, authenticity readers, sensitivity readers, going through many rounds of revisions, revisions, revisions. Um, to craft a book that's worthy of being published. Yeah, it's like a village um, effort. <laughs> yeah, it it is. I mean, you're the the author does all the writing, mm-hmm. but still, you know, we it, we count on our team to help us craft the best possible book we can. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that team, especially if those teams have been telling you this work is not good enough yeah. to be published, it's kind of like. Um, I wanted to be a veterinarian mm-hmm. and so I volunteered and I worked at a vet clinic and I realized that I don't like poop and parasites. <laughs> Two so, very important realizations. <laughs> right. So even though I would have loved to have been Dr. Cast, the veterinarian doctor, mm-hmm. I would have loved to have been a vet. It's not the job for me because I didn't yeah. have the tools and the correct makeup yeah. to do it. Mm-hmm. Almost everyone wants to write a novel. Yeah, literally. But whether you have the tools and the talent to do it or not, eh. Completely different story. Yeah. So. I do have to add an asterisk to that. Um, There have, in publishing, uh, there are a lot of underrepresented creators. Yes. Um, The BIPOC community and the LGBTQ plus community is not accurately represented in the publishing industry mm-hmm. and that is not necessarily based on talent as much as, as it is based on prejudice yeah um so i just want to make sure that's like yeah, a I'm, I'm not talking about that that's yeah not- no i know you're not talking about that but i know that i just want to make sure people it's yeah it's know. clear mm-hmm. yes that's like a complete other barrier yes. to like publishing yeah. that is yeah. like difficult. Yeah. In its own right. And in a completely different way than that. Yeah. Makes right. sense. Um, okay. So shifting a little bit, we have a couple questions from our listeners about the house of night series. So I know that you guys said that PC did mainly the writing and Kristen did a lot of the editing. So we'll try and like edit some of these questions as we go. Cause I don't think a lot of people know that I didn't. Um, well, what's so silly is that we have been saying that since they were published in 2007 and like every single interview we've ever done, we've said that. So people yep. are always surprised, but we always talk. It is not a secret. It has never been a secret. I, I don't know if I just like completely glossed over that. I had like, when you, you said it, I was like, Oh my yeah. gosh, no it way. It says co-author. Like it says co-author, like in my bio, it says, I think 
I don't know, wherever you read about us yeah. in the house, it says co-author, which is fine. That's how, you know, it, it's clunk. It's not, it's clunky to say piece written by PC cast, edited by Kristen. Edited by like, Kristen cast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Weird thing, but no. Okay. All right. I know people don't, but yes, I'm with you. People don't yeah, know. Yeah, like, I, I swear, like, every question here is, like, assuming you, like, both wrote, so we'll try and edit it a little as we go, but I think this one's a pretty good one, um, and this is from Caitlin on Instagram. What was the initial inspiration behind the House of Night series? Because it has a lot of Native American influences combined with different vampire characteristics, which was so unusual, but I loved it. So where did you kind of get ideas from, draw on anything specific? Um, PC probably has a longer answer for this then. <laughs> Well, yeah, PC has the only answer. I was going to say, I, I think PC was yeah. the one who brainstormed. I'm like, <laughs> um, I, my agent then back in 2000, actually it was the um, summer of 2005, um, or even before it was the spring of 2005. Um, she said she wanted me to write my next paranormal romance series needed to be set at a vampire finishing school. And I, when she said the word school, you know, I was teaching high school, so I immediately thought of high school. And I said, yeah, YA. And she said, what's YA? <laughs> so that's how back, that's how far long ago it was, mm -hmm. in 2005. Um, I told her, no, I wanted to set it in a high school. And mm -hmm. I said, because YA is really, the genre is really um, expanding and, and becoming so awesome. And then I decided that I didn't want to do traditional vampires. Mm -hmm. So I made a biological basis for vampires mm -hmm. and actually got with my dad, who's a biologist. He helps me with a whole bunch of my biology things. And um, we figured out the junk DNA and all that kind of stuff. And of course I made it a, a matriarchal um, society, smack in the middle of the Bible belt, mm -hmm. just for that plot. Um, conflict which is massive mm -hmm. and um that's that that was it i just brainstormed all of that and that's how the house of night came into being amazing and it's a, the uh, you have to address the cherokee aspect oh kristen is of um kristen is clearly um of mixed heritage and um part of that is native american and also we we were we're i mean tulsa is our hometown right and um, I had a, I had a, I had an authenticity um, reader way back when, before anyone had any of them. Yeah. Who was of the Cherokee Nation. I also worked with the Tahlequah, Her Tahlequah Cherokee Heritage Museum, mm -hmm. um, especially for the language and everything. Yes. And so that's why we included that. Yeah. That's amazing. I think that's really important, especially when doing um, like indigenous voices justice. It's awesome that you guys are, that PC had the uh, authenticity reader. Um, do you guys have a favorite character each? Because I mean, I guess Kristen knows the characters too. So do you have characters? I loved writing Aphrodite is, was a lot of fun. She's always a lot of fun. Um, Our listeners said that was their favorite too. They were like, Aphrodite was my fave. <laughs> yeah, I Aphrodite. I do. I really like her, her journey as it goes through the other world, the love lost, forgotten and found the four other world um, novels that have spin off. And I also love what happens with the Neferets in the other mm -hmm. world. Okay. Okay. And um, from the original series, uh, Damien's definitely my favorite because I've always felt like we could be friends. Okay. <laughs> love that. Love that. Um, and then I guess, um, I guess this one's more for PC. 
Mm-hmm. Um, which book from the House of Night series was your favorite to write? And this is from one of our listeners on Instagram, um, Alex Alexis O'Neill. Um, my favorite original House of Night novel was Burned. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite novella of the original series was Lenobia's Vow. And my favorite all around book of the entire series was the very last one, Found. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And just, oh, do we have that one and then the last one on there? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the last two, so that we're conscious of time. Um, so which character, so you spoke about your favorite characters. Which one was your favorite to write? Is there a difference or did you enjoy Aphrodite writing her as well? I love Aphrodite, Aphrodite writing her was my favorite. Okay. She's, she was a lot of fun. She was always effortless to write and mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of fun. And I've been seeing a lot of buzz. This is our last kind of question. I've been seeing a lot of buzz about a House of Night TV show. Is this like, I would personally love to see it. Um, we did have a question about that. From another one of our listeners, Argons. Um, and she asked if you thought of a House of Night dreamcast for a show that ever were to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, um, House of Night has been optioned since t- 2011, mm-hmm. um, but just in the last couple of years, right actually before the plague hit, um, <laughs> we, uh, our original producer, Davis Films, um, partnered with uh, DCTV producers, um, David Carmody, Don, sorry. No, that was backwards. Backwards. Don... Carmody and David Cormacon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have DCDC. So I was going to say that was a really big tongue twister. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, and we, we love them a lot. Our producers are fantastic. Our, our TV producers are fantastic. Um, we've worked with the, I worked very closely with the screenwriter uh, on the script for the pilot. And we have the whole first season outlined and ready to go. Um, season two and three. Um, they're vaguely outlined. All we're doing right now is just waiting to be picked up by a network, which the coronavirus, of course, screwed that up. Yeah, so that hasn't weird. been the most helpful or anything. Yeah. So if fans want House of Night as a TV series, contact your favorite network. The more fan noise about it, the uh, better chance we have of being picked up. You heard it here. Go and bother every single TV network ever. Get them to do yeah. it because I would love to see it. Was there anyone you ever pictured while writing, like actor-wise? Who well, yeah, but this was a million years ago. Like um, when I wrote people. Eric Knight way back then, I thought of um, Tom Welling in um, oh, as well. yeah, yeah, as small from Smallville, our Superman from Smallville. He I is who I pictured with Eric Knight for Eric oh. Knight the whole time, and of course now he's way too old. Right, and but that's still who's in my mind. Like, I've always wanted Michelle Pfeiffer as oh. Lenovia. Oh. It would work, though, because she's, like, immortal or something. I was going to say, that would, yeah, that she, like, does not age. She's iconic. That's amazing. I thought of The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, when I was writing Kelowna. Um, a lot of these are some, you know, they're an, an, uh, Angelina Jolie for um, Neferet. Mm, uh, I love that. But right now, you know, we're we're hopefully close to having um, the series being picked up and something that Kristen and I are on the same page as our producers on about casting mm-hmm. is 
the um, the nerd herd should be unknowns. We really we really want new faces for them, and there are a lot yeah. of fantastic unknowns doing TikTok house and night TikTok. Yes. Oh my god. Okay, we talk about it all the time because we always we do a lot of like fan cast, and I mean obviously we pick actors, actresses that are well, but ultimately like our favorite thing is like new faces because I love that, and I think they're doing. There's like a little bit of a resurgence of like these like book to screen. Yeah adaptation so I'm hoping we see more like, yeah I would love oh my god I would love to watch House of Night on TV like inner like you know 16 17 18 year old cast oh I would I love that shows do books better, better. Like, they yeah then yeah there, there's more room you know yeah absolutely that yeah. would be so exciting to see yeah we vastly prefer that too yeah, yeah. And, and we're and our producers have even agreed to do um auditions virtually oh so, that's so nice yeah, awesome so let's get us picked up and if, yeah. if that will be so much fun and chris and i are highly highly involved i'll be involved in the whole the whole damn thing i mean yeah. it's my world our producers we love them so that's amazing i really hope to see it so that would be great so you guys heard it here if you want to see house of night on tv go and contact everyone you know in tv and then um, if you have time for one more question, yeah. um, just about, you know, how the pandemic has affected everyone. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you do for self-care yes. to kind of help you get through the pandemic? It's been tough for everyone, I know. Yeah, we ask always, everyone this. We always love to hear what people do um, that's helped them get through this, these difficult times. I um, became very in love with being outside. Mm-hmm. Um, I live, um, outside Portland, Oregon, and there are many, many hiking trails all around me. Mm -hmm. And I usually hike, I mean, not now, cause it's like 113 degrees, <laughs> Too hot. but, um, I, since during the pandemic, I started hiking well, three to five miles, a good five times a week at least. Wow. And that. The more outside time I can spend, the more um, sane I, I was. Yeah. Um, but being fully vaccinated, Chris and I are both fully vaccinated, and it's just such a relief. Such it a is. Relief. It's the, we talk about it all the time. <laughs> um, I have I started going for daily walks also I have like this four mile loop that I do most days although I do change it up a bit so that like no creepy people can like stalk me you know because Phyllis told me a long time ago like you change up your roots sometimes you know I've like, I've listened to too many like murder procedurals to ever like do a yeah. consistent loop anywhere yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah exactly keep it yeah, fresh it change it up change serpentine serpentine <laughs> so i have a oh shit sorry you're I good went away for a second um so i have a loop that loopish loopish that i do uh but i have like anxiety just in my life regularly mm -hmm. so i find that any kind of active like being physically active helps me like to clear away that restless um like overwhelmed energy yeah like build up and lead me to some not the best places mm -hmm. so really any like today it was my first day back at the gym 
because it's so hot and I'm mm-hmm. like, I can't go for a walk because mm-hmm. I will melt. Mm-hmm. Um, and also my walk, like I walk very briskly to the Stacks Coffee House and I get a tea and a cookie and Love then I that. walk leisurely and I listen to my historical romance uh-huh. or my, my like Regency mysteries on my big headphones. So um, it's like it's a very calming sort of thing and I don't do work and I don't take phone calls and I don't text anybody. It's you time. Yes, it is me time. So if I can't do that, then I have to do some kind of like official working out mm-hmm. to banish, banish the demons. Yeah. We just started doing that. Yes. We started doing Pilates together. It's been fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, our I new I hike with a hundred pound um, German shepherd. So um, <laughs> I don't have to change up my routine. I was going to say that that works really well. <laughs> yeah. He, he's, he doesn't play. Okay. So I was going to say, if we took your dog, it would be a no go. That's very tiny, not scary <laughs> at all. He would be like, like my dogs. They're like, hi, come pet me. Come pet me. Come. Do you want exactly. to see what are? Come on. Come on. Yeah. Exactly. I'm like, no, this isn't how you react. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. No, that's some good, good advice for everyone. Just trying to kind of, stay sane during these times. But honestly, we just want to thank you for your time. Truly, we appreciate it. I nerded out really hard. It was really cool to chat with you guys. And thank you just so much for your time, for sending us the book. Um, And we're really excited to just see where this series goes and hopefully seeing more of your content on TV. That would be amazing. Um, To our listeners, all of their links, everything, where to buy, where to look, websites will be linked down in the episode description. Um, and then before we go, we do a little podcast sign off, which is similar Ooh. to the intro, similar to the intro. He so did not do well on the intro. I thought it was excellent. <laughs> that was pretty good. I thought, yeah, it's better than, you know, what we've done in the past. We've like re-recorded intros many a times before, <laughs> but, um, basically if you guys can just go and thanks for listening to two book bitches. At the same time, you don't want to do it at the same time. Maybe one of you can say, and thanks for listening, and the other one says to two book bitches. I don't know. That works. So I'll do, and thanks for listening. I will do it. I'm going to do it. Go ahead and start. Okay. (laughs) Whenever you're ready. Whenever you're ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. And thanks for listening to Two Book Bitches Podcast. Bye.